Wednesday, Oklahoma City. Road to OKC firing back up. And oh my gosh, if only there was anything for us to talk about. Oh wait, the Oklahoma Sooners topped the Florida State Seminoles last night in the highest ranked matchup at Marita Hines Field since 2007. And on the weekend, the Cowgirls beat that same Florida State team in two out of three games. We're going to talk about all of that as well as everything else going on in the world of softball over the next hour. I'm Ryan Chapman here, not with my usual co-host, but like I said, our bullpen rolls deep. Nicole Mendez out on assignment, which means we trade one former Oklahoma national champion for another. Destiny Martinez slots in. Destiny, very nice to see you again. Welcome back aboard. Thanks for having me. What a weekend it yes. was for Oklahoma softball. We're going to talk about that Florida State game, but before we do that, let's back up just a little bit. I think this context is important as the whole weekend. The Sooners had a bit of a reunion in Starkville. Oklahoma went to play in the Bulldog Invitational against Mississippi State and others. That would be Sam Ricketts, Mississippi State Bulldog program that is continuing to come along. A future SEC matchup. Oklahoma took two of those games. Before they did that, though, Jordy Ball, perfect game against Southeastern (laughs) Louisiana. Um, Some out there may have the discourse of, can it be a perfect game if it's in five innings? I would like to go on the record and say, I don't care. If you set 15 straight batters down and the game is over, it looks like a perfect game. How big was that to see? Because, no disrespect, but it's southeastern Louisiana. Yeah. It is what it is what it is. Yeah. But it's still a perfect game, especially for Jordy Ball, who has not been bad by any means. Right. But trying to kind of recapture that the level that she was pitching at last year before she got injured head into postseason play. Yeah. Yeah. And again, no disrespect, but those are the things that we want to see out of Jordy. We talked about injury last time I was on the show and how mentally tough it is to come back from that. So... Getting to see Jordy in that element, I think it really struck a lot of confidence into the rest of the weekend and what we saw last night. Um, but it was good. It's good to see Jordy back, and um, it is a no hitter. I don't care how many innings. Yeah, then- <laughs> you get five innings, and we last year. I mean, they, most of their games were five innings, so. With this OU offense, you don't get to have many full games. So I don't feel like we should be punishing pitchers. And this goes for any program, <laughs> right? right? Um, you shouldn't be punishing pitchers. It's not their fault that their offense gave them run support. Right. Yeah. No, that is that is a perfect game that Jordy Ball threw. I don't care what anyone says. It was indeed. That rolled on. That was Friday afternoon-ish. Friday evening, the Sooners take on Mississippi State. They win that 7 to nothing. Nicole May gets the start. Nicole May, one of two pitchers in the country that is yet to give up an earned run. She has continued to be stellar. We're going to talk about the offense in the context of the Saturday game against Mississippi State because even though they put nine runs on the board, Patty Gasso was not pleased with that group. <laughs> but I, I think it's important over the last two years plus the start of this season, so much of the conversation is around the lineup the home runs, Mm -hmm. the run rules, and deservedly so because it's two of the most explosive lineups we've ever seen in the sport. Mm -hmm. But I feel like when Jordy Ball goes out and pitches a perfect game, when Nicole May still has yet to give up an earned run and Alex Taraco, who she'll get her shine here in a second, when those three have been a dominant as they've been, that is why Oklahoma is a team that uh, a lot of other programs around the country go, oh boy, when they're on the Uh schedule. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, and in the sport, just in softball in general, it's pitching, defense, and clutch hitting. And we talk about how off, how awesome their offense is, but I can tell you why Coach Gasso wasn't too thrilled. It's because their clutch hitting, their timely hitting, was not on on par. And that happened last night as well. There was a lot of runners left on base, and so there's going to be reasons that she's not necessarily happy with their performance, no matter how good us as fans think it is. There's things and situations that they need to be better at, and that's what Coach Gasso is demanding from them. But um, the pitching staff, stellar. They're so good to watch, and I think that they are very um, – they're getting used to each other. They're they're able to really feed off of each other, and uh, we saw a, a great side of Jordy Ball, but Alex Rocco did great. Uh, Nicole May is very impressive. And so when you have three pitchers who can really get thrown in the circle at any point in time, Mississippi State's a good team. Um, so for what they did, the offense was on, pitching is on. I like where we're headed. I think they look good for this part of the season. Absolutely. They're really running into shape. And 
to jump forward a little bit, mm -hmm. last night I asked Patty Gasso after the game, what was different? Because against Florida State, uh, the, the DAC home run that, that put the Seminoles up, yeah. there was an immediate response from the Oklahoma lineup. And that's not what you saw in OU's only loss of the year against Baylor. And I asked mm -hmm. Patty Gasso, what was different? And she just kind of laughed. And she's like, the whole team feels different. Yeah. Because this was a group that was breaking in about half the lineup mm -hmm. as far as transfers, freshmen, or players stepping up into much larger roles that, that they didn't, ha didn't yeah. have the last year or two years ago. And so... Um, that's something that Nicole and I talked about, you and I talked about mm -hmm. as well, is the last two years, the OU lineup has been such a well-oiled machine that those adjustments happen yeah. four batters in, mm -hmm. five batters in. They, they don't have to traditionally go through the, okay, you go through the entire lineup yeah. once, and then the second time it turns over, that's when the damage happens. And it just didn't feel like that was happening the first couple of weekends. I think they've gotten in that groove. Obviously, the, what they did at the Mary Nutter helped yeah. that out a lot. And, and I think they've rolled that momentum in, but... Against Mississippi State on Saturday, a 9-3 win. All nine of those runs came in the second inning. Mm -hmm. But then the Sooners went on to strand 10 base runners in the third, <laughs> yeah. fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh innings. I know Patty Gasso was not pleased with that. No. And, and uh, it, it, it was good to see that when they circled back on Monday and picked up that game against South Dakota State, when they got runners in scoring position, they brought those they runners capitalized. home. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. No, those are huge points. And... Uh, for their offense being as good as they are, there's there Coach Gasso has every right to be upset with them leaving runners on base. They they should not be doing that. And I think it goes back to the conversation about timely hitting and clutch hitting and moving your defense or your offense. So I think with this lineup and you talked about the adjustments for like a Jada Coleman to come up, um, she needs to, you know, move those runners or Riley Boone, like those girls are the leaders in that lineup. And so for Tiari Jennings, Jada Coleman, they, they do their jobs and they do it well, but they need to, Coach Gass is looking for that leadership of, hey, pass the torch and let's get these runners moving. Um, so leaving 10 runners on is not something Coach Gasso's well, ever going to be okay with. And you could just see the frustration building a uh -huh. bit. And that was... It's one of those things that's been an adjustment, and when I talk to, like, at the Women's College World Series, when there's a bunch of beat writers from across the mm -hmm. country, and then I make off-handed comments in the press box of, like, Oklahoma's up six to nothing or whatever, and I was like, this is going to be a bad post-game. Coach is not happy with what's going <laughs> yeah. on. And everyone looks around, they're like, Oklahoma's up six to nothing. What's going on? And I'm just like, that's two runners left on base. Yep. There was a base running error. I was like, you just look look at the third base yep. coaching box and see if you think that's a happy coach right now, despite yep. what's on the scoreboard. And that's because... Patty Gasso knows what it takes to get across the finish line, and that's mm -hmm. the standard she holds her team to every single night out, which brings us to last night. A ton of fun. Oklahoma and Florida State, the sixth-ranked Seminoles came in. OU won this one 5-4. to four. And, Destiny, this was a really fun back-and-forth <laughs> softball game. Yeah. I felt kind of weird talking about it today because I was like, I know that everyone loves the run rules and the eye-popping numbers and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, but I, I covered, you know, a top 25 matchup against Kentucky, two mm -hmm. of those here a couple weekends ago. And once the offense started, I was like, well, this thing's done. Yeah. I'm just going to start writing yeah. my story now. It's over. Yep. I'll update this. <laughs> but it was nice to have the back and forth last night in what was a super regional environment mm -hmm. with uh, – it's a better than super regional matchup. You'd never have the one in six team matched up in, in supers. It was a ton of fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And I was actually up in the booth last night. I was doing the um, TV call with Chad and DJ. That was the first time in a long time we actually f called a full game. It had been a long time. And for them to trail. Um, I think we traced back to 20. It was. So it was the first time at home Oklahoma that Oklahoma State. had trailed before uh, since the home finale. Yeah. Um, that was OSU got out to a 2-0 lead. Oklahoma pegged one back. And yep. the Jocelyn Allo Grand Slam yep. really busted yep. that thing open. And I was having to search back. If Oklahoma had lost the game, it would have been the first loss at Marita Hines since February 29th of 2020. Yep. That would have been the North Texas game where one Hope Troutwine came yeah. on for a save. Yeah, we pulled that back up as well. And we were sitting there thinking, like, the amount of innings that uh, we lost in the past few years from run rules. We hadn't done a full game in so long and let alone a two and a half hours almost last night. So it was good to get to see all of the different situations. We saw a couple first and third plays on, on defense and on offense. We didn't execute on offense on one of them. And those are things that coach Gasso truly practices like often, like there are tons of first and third plays 
being practiced. Um, so there was one with Riley Boone. She grounded out running to first base. They threw it to first. And normally that's a play where Riley Boone is supposed to kind of draw their attention so that they are distracted by the uh, by her and don't get the second out between home and third. Did, did you see that? Yeah. So, so there, those are things where Coach Gasso doesn't get to practice those plays very often in, in real life. Um, those are plays that she brings to practice. But so it was nice to get to see those things. Uh, the other the other thing that threw me off was the pitching changes for yeah. Kentucky. Uh, or, Florida State. Florida State. It, was, it was a really, really interesting strategy yeah. by Lonnie Alameda, which is one that I've actually wondered why more coaches don't just employ. So if you didn't see it, uh, Catherine Sandercock, she finished two innings, and then Reed, the freshman, came in. She only technically logged two-thirds of an inning. I think she faced six batters. Sandercock mm-hmm. faced eight batters. And then Dubois came in for one, and then uh, Royalty came in and did the, the two and a third to close it. But essentially what Alameda was doing is Oklahoma did not get to – nine batters did right. not get to see one pitcher. And I've been curious – why that isn't just the strategy by everyone unless you've got yeah. like a Kelly Maxwell caliber ace yep. that can go out there and actually lock it down and Sandercock is one of those but mm-hmm. Oklahoma has seen her yeah in the past yeah and that's that's what I was getting to I think that is a very logical strategy like you can't see Jada Coleman twice and expect to be successful two times like there's there's no way and that's what it's like throughout the rest of the lineup so um I thought that was an interesting strategy but you know it was a close game 5-4 like we hadn't seen that in a long time. Yeah, it was. It was. I know that this is not what anyone wants to, but it was cool to see Alex Draco hang a couple mm-hmm. of balls right, and she got punished on two of them. Yeah, not that that's the good part of it, but at Michigan, that's game over. Yeah, a lot of yeah. the time, and so to have a pitcher who has been just dominant mm-hmm. and adjusting to life at Oklahoma to then have the ability to see, okay, there's some run sports. Draco's going to be a better pitcher because of yeah. that, because she's going to know that's okay. You, yeah. you don't have to. You want to be perfect, but you don't have to overdo it because that's how she had to win games sometimes at Michigan. There was not a lot oh, yeah. of run support. Yeah, and everybody needs to go through a trail. Like, you, you've got a trail at some point to learn your mistakes or learn from your mistakes. There's so many different things, but uh, I know exactly those two pitches that, that we're talking about. We're both talking about them, and I I do think that she learned from that, and I think Jordy Ball came in, and they got to operate as a staff, and... Um, when Jordy came in, it was lights out. Yeah, it was. That was every bit of, I was like, yeah, that's your NFCA freshman of the year, Jordy Ball. We haven't seen, and this is no disrespect to Jordy. She's been good, but we haven't seen that Jordy Ball right. yet this season. And come in, fan the first six Florida State batters, which it just came in and sucked all of the life out of the Florida State dugout. That's the side of the of Marita Hines I was sitting mm-hmm. on. And you could just tell that they were like, Oh, oh shoot. The, she, the, the door has been closed. There was yeah. there was an opportunity. The door has been closed. We're going to talk a lot more about this and, and kind of spinning this forward into the Hall of Fame classic. Petty Gasso on Monday night had some interesting comments about what she's trying to get out of the team. But on the other side, we're going to link up with one of our new friends here at the franchise, cowgirl legend. I'll just put that on her name. Chelsea Alexander currently of the Oklahoma City Spark. I don't know if you know anyone around there. Season tickets are on <laughs> sale. We'll talk about that in the third segment as well. But Chelsea Alexander will link up with us to talk about Oklahoma State's weekend series with Florida State. And we'll see. We've got the number one Sooners and the number two Cowgirls. And I'm telling you guys right now, I think it's going to stay that way until Bedlam. I'm super juiced for that. So we'll talk to Chelsea on the other side. You're listening to The Road to OKC here on 107.7 The Franchise, brought to you by Case & Associates and resilient softball. We'll catch up with Chelsea here. Stick around right on the other side. You're listening to The Road to OKC here on 107.7 The Franchise, brought to you by Case and & Associates and Resilient Softball. I'm Ryan Chapman alongside former Oklahoma star, national champion, all-around great person, Dusty Martinez. And we are going to head to the franchise hotline to be joined by another former star in state here, but for the Cowgirls, Chelsea Alexander joins the show right now. Chelsea, hi, hello, welcome aboard. Thank you for late notice hopping along with us. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm super excited and I'm I'm pumped to chat with you with you guys. It's a big weekend to chat as the Cowgirls are now number two in the country. Just took two of three off of Florida State. And I know Chelsea's been doing a phenomenal job covering the Cowgirls this year on the Cowgirl Corner podcast, which is part of our franchise podcast network. Chelsea, alongside Aubin Fippen, doing a phenomenal job 
Chelsea, just first off, what was your overall reaction to Cowgirls go out game one, don't get it done, but immediately bounce back with a huge, not just a win, but an emphatic run rule on Saturday and then grinding out a really, really close victory on Sunday to take the series. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm telling you, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was my first, I know it's the second weekend for the Cowgirls to be at home in Stillwater this season, but it was my first time back. Honestly, watching a live softball game, just so, so to see that top five, top ten, depending on which poll you look at, I guess, uh, top five matchup though it was it was a lot of it was a lot of fun um, made me miss being on the field but to see I was really excited to see how the team how the cowgirls answered after that first night um, I actually was able to catch all three games so it was cool to see it firsthand and I was a little nervous because you know Centercock and Florida State always give us a run for our money here uh, I mean they're a really good really good team really well coached and they play with a lot of energy. So to see us answer that after that first night, it was, it was cool to see. Hey, Chelsea, how's it going? Hi. <laughs> I know. How weird is it being on the other side as an alumni? Isn't it weird? Oh, my goodness. It's like I was talking with Aubin on the podcast the other day. The feelings that you have as a fresh alumni, it, it's hard to manage them at times. Like, it's just so... There's just so many, so many emotions. So to be out there and like watching them, I was like, man, I still feel like kind of stressed, but like, yeah. I also, <laughs> like sweaty palms. Don't care that much. <laughs> yeah, it's like a calm calmness about me. I'm like, man, this is so weird. Yeah, <laughs> so, but it, it's fun. Yeah. Hey, can you tell us about uh, how important it is and how kind of unique it is to have a team like Florida State coming to play both OU and OSU so early in in the season? Okay, right. I, I was noticing, I actually didn't know Florida State scheduled that they were catching OU after they were in Stillwater. <laughs> like, what a schedule. Yeah, that's so smart. And so, I mean, I was talking with somebody over the weekend last year. We had Florida State, OSU played Florida State on our bye weekend. So we went Florida State, OU, postseason. And I'm like, you basically get two, and then you add Texas in there before that, you get three extra weeks of postseason playing those teams. So I thought, I thought it was kind of interesting seeing Florida State play or come to Stillwater so early, but I think it's a really good test to see where you stand and actually give you more time to improve. So, I, I mean, really smart uh, scheduling by Florida State to come up and play number one and number two. I mean, what a time to be a softball yeah. player in Oklahoma incredible so i mean it, it's cool that they get to have those matchups and then the fans in oklahoma catching a lot of good games absolutely absolutely we're talking to former oklahoma state star chelsea alexander here on the road to okc chelsea can you kind of walk us through what you thought of the cowgirls in the circle this weekend kelly maxwell had a kind of um an un kelly maxwell performance on friday but then you got a huge response from the freshman Icock on Saturday, and then Lexi Kilfo was just absolute nails throughout that entire thing Sunday. Yeah. yeah, so I came out late on Friday night, and everything, all the whispers, which you know how fans can be. I love you guys, but I mean, you were quick to blame, and myself included, quick to blame other people. So I was getting whispers that the umpire was a little bit tight, wasn't calling it both ways, this and that, and so. By the time I got there, it seemed like Kelly kind of started to settle in and figure his zone out and get a little more comfortable. But it's hard, um, you know, if the other team is being disciplined at the plate and the umpire is being tight, then you start to press and then you're trying to force it in the zone. And so I think it's good for Kelly to get a test there. I know we're used to her walking out there and just throwing it by everybody. But, I mean, it's early and it's really good for her to see that those hitters and kind of deal with some of those struggles because I know Kelly, I know she's going to improve the next time she's out. So, I mean, it's part of it, it's part of the game. You're not always going to go out and throw your best. So to see her fight through that and kind of deal with that and then for Lexi to come in, um, I think it's cool to see an entire staff working together for that whole weekend to get the series win. Um, Kyra, man, I hadn't seen her throw and I'm amazed. She's a lot of fun to watch. So I, Watching her handle Florida State on Saturday, it was cool. I was, I was, I was really impressed. Um, and for a freshman to be in that big matchup and to handle herself the way she did, 
It was good. Let's talk about the two spot. We've got Oklahoma State, OU, one and two seed. We have not seen something like that. And as we head into conference play, what do you think? I mean, both staffs are tremendous. Um, obviously, I'm a OU girl, but <laughs> OSU has so much talent. And I'm, you know, for for both teams to be one and two seed, what what do you think? I mean, obviously, you've been a part of the program. You've seen it grow. But for them to be in the two spot, that's huge. Yeah, it, it really is. And like I said, like what a time to be a softball player in Oklahoma. It just, it's crazy. And for the Big 12 Conference, I mean, for the state of Oklahoma, I mean, it's just, it's cool on so many levels. And so to see us each, I mean, I remember when we had our first like preseason top five ranking. And when I was on the team, I was like, whoa. And I feel like we've all kind of played like that. Like, oh, crap. So to see them, like, handling the program, handling that recognition and earning it and playing like, yeah, we're number two and, you know, we're going to go up against anybody. So it's cool to see them have that confidence um, and back up and prove that they're they're deserving of number two um, and not play scared. And that's what's really exciting to me. So it's cool to see how quick we went from being like, whoa, we're making them the top five to – oh, my goodness, we're preseason, or we're to go from, like, oh, my goodness, like, are we going to make top 25 in my first years here to, whoa, we got preseason top five, and now we're, like, sitting two this early in the season. It's like, wow. It's just, it's it's impressive. Well, the fun won't stop at the end of the Women's College World Series as OKC Spark season tickets are on sale. We're going to talk about that here in a second, but one last one on the Cowgirls before you and Destiny talk about your uh, your, new, your new day jobs. Uh, <laughs> but we, we talked a ton about the pitching staff. Chelsea, what bats in the lineup do you have kind of stood out for the Cowgirls as uh, that's been going? And, and it feels like there's even a new plate approach, even maybe from, from last season's team, which was still awesome at the plate. Um, what have you kind of seen there as far as that's going heading into conference play here in a couple weekends? Yeah, the, we had, I think, like 14 new girls come in. That maybe I know at least 10 new girls come in this year. Over half of our team was new. And so I think everybody wants to talk about the change in the hitting. Obviously, we have a new coach. So that combined with half of a new team um, and then the experience of the girls that have been there and done that with OSU, I think they all just kind of combined to see a little more discipline, a little more attack and intent at the plate. Um, and they're really starting to piece together and buy into a team offense. So it's really cool. I mean, Kylie, she's been playing um, really well so far in her last year. It's cool to see her come off a lower year last year. Um, So for her to be playing, matching her offense with their defense and putting that whole game together, that's really exciting. I mean, Shy's always clutch. Talon, um, she's a lot of fun to, to watch and how young she is and raw and she just plays unafraid and she attacks and it's, it's cool. But my favorite, not to be biased, but my favorite, I love watching Rachel Becker and the leadoff spot. I mean, I was really excited about this transfer. She's a transfer from Purdue um, coming to OSU to play her final year. And she's just a baller. I mean, she has a really good eye. She tracks balls and strikes really well, very disciplined. And she puts the bat on the ball and gets on base. And every good offense, I know Oklahoma, they're going to sit there and hit home run after home run. But a three-run home run is a lot better, or a four-run home run, I love a lot more than a solo. So, which I guess if everybody's in the lineup hitting them is one thing. But I love people that are going to get on base um, and make things happen when those big hits aren't necessarily always coming. So I, I love watching Becker play. I like it. I like it. And I cannot wait for your lineup to face my lineup. <laughs> It'll be a good time. I cannot wait for Bedlam. I will see you there. But yes, uh, yeah. let's talk Spark. So um, season tickets are on sale. They're doing well. Got to keep promoting. <laughs> but uh, can you walk us through your decision to play for the Spark? Did, did you plan on playing professionally? What, what was your, I guess, uh, internal thought when you finished with OSU? 
Um, no, I had no intention to be a hundred percent transparent. I had no intention of playing professional. I mean, you're, you're well aware. I know you've got an incredible career, um, good resume, but professional softball at this point, like for me, it just wasn't really an end goal. Like college was it. And to have the opportunity that I did with OSU and the success that we had there in my time. I was really content with it being the end. Um, I'd kind of accepted that and was really ready for what was next. And then Coach Flo called. And, um, yeah, she she called me and she's like, hey, I'm coaching this team. Do you want to come play? And I was like, oh, man. Um, I was like, listen, it's not a no right now, but I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I think I was really hoping that nobody would call me so it wasn't my decision not to play. And she's like, well, I called, and I want you to come play, so let's talk about this. And, and we did, and I sat on that decision for, I mean, probably a couple months at least, if not longer than that. And at the end of the day, I, just, I really wanted to be sure that I was deciding to play for the right reasons, that my heart was going to be in it, you know, and really the motivator was, like, what an incredible opportunity. I don't want to look back when I'm – 40, 50 years old and be like, man, what if I would have played? What what would it have been like? Um, or say like, oh, I could have been a professional athlete. You know, like, I, like, I don't want to deal with all those what ifs. So <laughs> I decided to play and I, I just, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to build the sport for little girls to look up to one day and be like, I want to be a professional softball player, just like boys do with the MLB. Um, so to have that opportunity, I was like, how stupid would I be not to take this. So I'm really excited. We're talking to Chelsea Alexander here on the road to OKC. Chelsea, what, what's that preparation process been like for you as far as making sure that you're still in shape, in the groove of things, kind of going through a, a different offseason for for your body, basically, than, than what it's been through the whole college process, right, as this season's going to start later, all that. And then also... A lot of Sooners and Cowgirls got to get together and be teammates. How's that coming along? <laughs> I know. I'm the only orange one on the team so far, so uh, I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed because there's a lot of red. But, you know, I hear that a lot. They're like, man, they're kind of like an OU deal. I'm like, listen, I totally understand as an OSU fan, like, where you're coming from. But you got to think, like, when you're building a program, a professional team, you want the best of the best. And OU – is that right now and there's no there's no questioning um their talent their work like their ability like why would we not get them like if they want to come play for us let's go like now we're representing the whole state so it's a lot of fun i'm excited to play with them and to be on a team with so many like i tell all the time i'm like you guys see this roster like there's some really good resumes on this roster (laughs) like all the awards and It's just crazy. So to even think that I'm on a team with all these girls, I mean, OU or not, you got Michelle Moultrie, I mean, Keila Richard, and, of course, all the OU alumni. Moore's own Sydney Sherrill, too. So it's it's not just – it's it's Oklahoma showing out, regardless of – Absolutely. Orange, red, or anything. It's it's a lot of Oklahoma town. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's really neat and should help with the fans really getting behind this team. I mean, it's exciting. So – my preparation, it's been a bit of a struggle because I don't have somebody like, hey, from 2 to 6 every day, you're going to go practice and you have to be there. And so it's been on me, um, and it's, it's a change. It's different, but right now I'm really getting back in the weight room. I mean, my first week working out with – I got a trainer. He, cook, he does strength and conditioning for OSU football. He's insane. I mean, he, he himself is – like a crazy human like he's jacked he's, he knows what he's doing and so um i'm all bought in with him and he's been really improving my strength and my speed and all this stuff now i just gotta get back in the shape of tracking softball in the air and hitting it and all those little things so um it's been different having it on your shoulders and not on your coach telling you where to go but um it's been fun it's been the first week i was contemplating i'm like what am i doing like i don't I don't even remember how to squat. <laughs> it, was, it was so weird, but it, it's been good. So I'm excited to see how I come back after some time off. Um, but I have no doubt I'll be okay. 
It, it is. It's it's a huge adjustment to have to understand, oh, my coach isn't telling me what to do, when to practice, where to practice, who's throwing to me. Like, you've got to figure out all those things by yourself as a professional. So I totally understand what, where you're coming from. Uh, one last question from me. We talked a little bit earlier about how the state of Oklahoma is just a softball hotspot. Can you tell me what it's like to get to play for a team in front of your family, in front of this community, and how important it is to really draw the OSU and OU softball fans to the Hall of Fame Stadium all summer? Yeah, I mean, what an honor. I, I, that's truly how I, how I see it, how I feel about it. It's just, it's an honor, like I said, to represent the entire state of Oklahoma. So somebody had asked me something similar a while back and was like, now I'm not just playing for half the state or maybe even a third of the state. Like at one point, like, oh, you kind of dominates, but it's starting to be more 50-50, I think. But, uh, you know, I'm not just playing for OSU fans. I'm playing for, you know, my hometown, my home state. And it just it makes a lot of sense to have a professional team here in Oklahoma because of how strong the sport of softball is here. I mean, the Hall of Fame Stadium, two dominant teams, even more than that, if you go past Division One, like up and down junior college, Seminole State, Coach Flores team, Seminole State, they're good. You got Rogers. I mean, softball in Oklahoma is something special, and so to be a part of representing that at the highest level, it's it's truly an honor. So I'm really excited to be a part of it and be a part of growing not just softball in Oklahoma, but the sport as a whole. And I'm really excited to see what it looks like in a few years. Chelsea, thanks so much for taking some time out of your Wednesday night to link up with us. You, uh, first off, best of luck with the OKC Spark. I'm sure that we'll be bumping into each other around Hall of Fame about that. But also, if you want more phenomenal Oklahoma State Cowgirl softball coverage, I hear from a little birdie that you may have a good spot to go for that. Absolutely. So every week we put out a podcast called Cowgirl Corner, Aubin Sippin and I. And we cover all things OSU softball. So if you're interested in learning more about um, just some high-quality softball, the OSU Cowgirls, come check us out. Give us a listen. It's a lot of fun. We have a great time, and we hope you guys will tune in. High-quality softball, high-quality podcast as well. That's Cowgirl (laughs) Corner. Chelsea, thank you so much. Sorry I texted you so late today. My fault. I should have been a better planner. (laughs) No, it's, it's great. I had an awesome time, so really appreciate you guys having me on, and Uh, Have a great night. Thank you, Chelsea. Proud of you. (laughs) Thank you. That was Chelsea Alexander, Oklahoma State. I'm gonna put the I'm gonna put the tag on it. Oklahoma State legend. She's been awesome, and uh, yeah, we're just stoked to have the number one ranked Sooners, the number two ranked Cowgirls. Doesn't really matter what order that that's gonna come in because we're gonna figure that out last series (laughs) of the season, and then we'll roll into postseason. It should be a ton of fun. You're listening to the Road to OKC, brought to you by Case Associates and Resilient Softball. You're here 107.7 The Franchise. On the other side, we'll take another smaller trip around the country. I actually just want to go to Austin and try to pilfer through whatever the heck happened at the Bevo Classic this past weekend. And then we're going to preview the Hall of Fame Classic as Oklahoma has five games this weekend, welcoming in Weber State, Northwestern, and Auburn. We'll dive into all of that coming up next here on the Road to OKC here on 107.7 The Franchise. Last little bit of the road to OKC brought to you by Case and Associates and Resilient Softball here on 107.7 The Franchise. Ryan Chapman joined alongside Oklahoma, former Oklahoma star, Destiny Martinez. Shout out to Destiny, who I also waited way too long to text today. <laughs> My fault. We've got Matty Goldfish, Michael Branson behind the glass, keeping us on air. We appreciate him. All these songs on your bumpers make me feel like I'm in the club in 08. <laughs> well, this is... If you notice, it's all Atlanta artists. It's very Ryan. It's very me. It's only Atlanta all the time. A lot of throwback B.O.B. and T.I. Oh, it's bringing back good memories. Welcome for to sure. life. Yeah. Welcome to life. Good memories. It's a good playlist. Welcome to life with little, me. Little aged, but. A little aged, but that's fine. It's, right. it's okay. It's okay. Uh, I'm not that old yet to be like, this is when music was music and stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, You had this on your burn scene. Yeah, so exactly. 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 <laughs> we were mixtaping it up. Okay. Let's take a quick trip around the country. We talked a lot of Oklahoma State. Thank you again to Chelsea Alexander for linking up with us there in that last little bit. But I really want to focus on, first off, UCLA got run-ruled by Cal on Saturday. 
Oh my goodness. What is happening there? I I did not get to watch that game. Um, I was locked into Oklahoma and Mississippi State, but uh, so I don't have like grand overarching thoughts of what went on there. I was just like, <laughs> it popped up and I was like, come again? Not Yo, not what? not losing a game, getting run ruled, eight nothing. It was wild. You know what? I think it's so early in the season that we feel like all the teams should just be like who they who we we know them as. Yeah, and it's like UCLA should be dominating, but I I still kind of feel like they should be. Alabama should be dominating, and they're coming up with some random losses that you just don't expect so early in the season. But I need to probably dive deeper into who they're pitching. Are yeah. they letting the freshmen start? Are they getting some experience under their belt? Which, I mean, RPI is always a thing, no matter yeah. what. So you don't want those losses. But, yeah, for UCLA to go down to Cal, that's in a run rule. Random, I was going to say, random losses happen. Top five teams should not be getting run ruled. Right, I agree. Top five teams should not be getting run ruled by unranked opposition. There is no excuse for that. There, I don't care if it is a freshman. Yeah, <laughs> there, there, there's no excuse for not being able to, to pick your back up and uh, say, okay, we got knocked back here a little bit. But let's lock this thing down. Even if it ends up four nothing, five nothing, the run rule is what raised my eyebrow. There, a- another set of results that I'm still confused by, that still confound me. I don't know what happened in Austin, Texas, this past weekend, namely with Alabama. So let's start with the Longhorns, though. They hosted the Bevo Classic, Texas, Wisconsin, Texas State, Alabama. That was the four teams playing there. Longhorns had a really good start to this thing. They beat Alabama 5-3 to three on Friday, then followed it up with a win over Wisconsin. Um, they they'd beat Wisconsin on Friday as well. So doubleheader Friday, win over Wisconsin, win over Alabama. Come back Saturday, they beat Wisconsin. Lose to Alabama 4-3 to three in 11 innings. That's just two highly ranked teams going at it. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And they closed the weekend by losing to Texas State 5-4 to four in 9 innings, Whoops. which... <laughs> Is confusing enough until you flip over. Okay, what did Texas State doing outside of that? Texas State beat Alabama too. Alabama and Texas, two total games against Texas State, both lost to the Bobcats. So shout out to them, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but you can't do that. No. First of all, Texas and Alabama agreeing to play each other twice in a weekend. Shout out. We'll take yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's a positive change. Uh, One and one. That's fine. Well, yeah, the yeah, split. Good. The split is but fine. But you can't finish the weekend and lose to Texas State. Yeah, it, it's it's not the split between Texas and Alabama that that had me going, guys. But what are we doing here? Both teams dropping the game to Texas State, and then Alabama came back and lost that Sunday game to Wisconsin, which I Wisconsin hung tight all weekend. They were not blown out of any of these games. But if you're going to be serious about being a super regional host, yeah, you need to be on top of mining Better. your P's and Q's against <laughs> Texas State and Wisconsin. I'm sorry. It, it, that should be life. Yeah, no, it is. You've got to be better. So it, it'll be really intriguing. Alabama has been up and down. They've had weird results all year long, playing tight with UCLA, beating Florida State, then dropping a midweek game to Kennesaw State. Like I, I don't know what's happening with Alabama. It very much feels like it is Montana Fouts in a wildly inconsistent batting lineup behind mm-hmm. her. And I feel bad for Montana because it feels like once they get into SEC play, I think she's going to have this pressure on her of having to be perfect to feel like she'll win yeah. day in and day out because you don't know if Alabama's bats are going to show up game to game, much less weekend to weekend. Yeah, and and they don't have a very strong staff. Like, that's really their their main and only arm really well Lexi Kilfoyles and Stillwater yeah. is killing it right <laughs> yeah, now the, so yeah that is that is a tough situation for Fouts but uh they can't they've got to generate more runs that's, yeah, that's an to. offensive issue that Alabama's got to got to figure out if they want to host regionals and a super and it's got to start this weekend Alabama opening SEC play they're hosting the Arkansas Razorbacks uh Arkansas looking to bounce back from a pretty recent loss to Central Arkansas not ideal for the Razorbacks, but um, Alabama, like it's coming. SEC play is no joke. We know this. That, that's why we're so excited for OU's eventual move to the SEC here in a season and a half in softball time, basically. Um, but th- that's what you you have to have that consistency week in week out, and we just haven't seen it yet from Alabama. And it's it's kind of jarring because for so long Alabama and Florida were so stable, 
And mm-hmm. Florida is young right now, but it, it felt like they were trending toward that. And then they headed out to the Mary Nutter and just got toasted two or three times. <laughs> just confusing there. And so now, now yeah. you're looking at Arkansas. You're looking at Kentucky's been really stable. Tennessee has played yeah. lights out. Obviously, yeah. we, uh, Nicole and I talked about Tennessee last week as, as a team that uh, Oklahoma fans knew. And you thought that Tennessee was about to go on a little run. And then they kind of faded to the background a little bit. So it's been interesting to see the the ebbs and flows and the cycle of SEC softball here over the last decade. Yeah, yeah. Not a lot of cons- consistency there, but I, I'm excited for OU to get to face that competition because when those teams are on, they're good. And you're going to get the inconsistency, but they're going to also see some great pitching, some great hitters. So... I'm ready for the SEC. I think it's going to be some good competition. It should be a ton of fun. We've already seen one SEC, future SEC foe, excuse me, come to Norman this season in those Kentucky Wildcats that we talked about briefly. This weekend, the Sooners are going to have another pair of games against a future SEC foe. Auburn will be one of the three teams Oklahoma will take on at the Hall of Fame Classic. Two games on Friday, first one at 4 p.m. against Weber State. Then the nightcap, Oklahoma comes back to play Northwestern, which would be a rematch of the WCWS opener for the Sooners last year. That feels right. Mm-hmm. Northwestern, then Texas. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Sorry, having to, having to roll through that. There were a lot of games in a, a couple of days. Yeah. I, I've slept since then. My brain is mush. <laughs> Saturday, the Sooners will come back, play Weber State again, then Auburn in the nightcap, and then that Sunday game against Auburn. I talked to Patty Gasso on Monday night asking her about what went into the decision to add that South Dakota State game on Monday because originally Oklahoma was supposed to play Omaha on Sunday. It's a part of the Bulldog Invitational in Starkville. Mm -hmm. That game got scrapped for weather. And so when you looked at the schedule, Sooners have five games this weekend, the Tuesday midweek against Florida State, but added the Monday game. was kind of curious about that thought process. I thought Patty had really interesting thoughts on that. She, She basically said... This was by design this week. She wanted this span of time dating back to last Friday where OU played Southeast Louisiana all the way through this next Sunday against Auburn. She wanted to load up a ton of games Mm -hmm. and make the team physically be exhausted, basically be on their feet (laughs) for, for a lot of games. And she said, she told me she wanted, I think the exact word she uses I want them to be zonked on Sunday mm-hmm. because she wants the, the team to feel that exhaustion. Yeah. Basically saying, I'm trying to recreate the toll that postseason takes on you here in this kind of mid part of the season. So destiny, what we don't often like, and Patty talks about just even standing in cleats all day, not even oh, running or doing anything, sucks. just <laughs> all of that. What's kind of that like physical toll that these weekends take when you're playing five games, Two of them stacked double headers uh, across three days. Yeah. I mean, they're very, very long days. And you mentioned cleats. Like, cleats, when you're standing all day, that lower back, oh my goodness. Like, you're. You've got what, like four or five pressure points to carry (laughs) your entire body? And and then you're, you're speeding, like, you're moving your body to max speed one direction. I mean, me as an outfielder, it's like, I'm standing here. This could be the sixth inning of the second game I've played and I've got to book it to the ball that just got hit in the gap. Like that's hard to on your body. Um, but I think for them to go through this schedule mentally as well, because you, you go up against teams like Weber state and Northwestern, like Northwestern is going to come after them. Weber state, no disrespect, but that mentally you, you don't want to check out as an athlete, but you are the number one team in the country and you're about to face Weber State. So obviously we want to see them do what they do best. But mentally, how do you prepare yourself when you know that's your opponent? So um, I think mentally that's a huge thing. And, and she's thinking more physically. Obviously, she's not a rookie at what she does. She knows what she's doing. So physically, I think is um, really smart of her to put these girls through the schedule but I think even mentally it's exhausting to be so up so up so up and have to find that energy and momentum and um you know that uh just that feeling of I've got to be on my game against a team like Northwestern and Auburn they're about to face a team a 22 and 24 seed and then a, a team that's not ranked so that's mentally exhausting. Well, and that's something that we saw for the OU tournament, right? Yeah. Game one against Illinois Chicago, mm-hmm. a team that 
was winless coming coming yeah. to that matchup. A lot of freshmen and sophomores. Oklahoma, Jada Coleman gets the leadoff home run in the bottom of the first inning, and then everyone's looking at their watch going, we're in the fourth inning, yeah, still one to nothing. What's, what's happening? Turn what's happening on. right now? Turn it on. <laughs> Patty Gasso was not happy with that game, and Oklahoma took out their frustrations on poor Kentucky with mm-hmm. an 11-run fourth inning. So the the only other time we've got to see them try to bounce back and respond was that Southeast Louisiana game last Friday that we mentioned where Jordy Ball throws a perfect game yeah. and then they get to play Mississippi State that night. So I'll be interested to see how, how they handle that just because that's been one spot that it feels like this team more than the groups the last two years and this is grading on a curve, but it mm-hmm. feels like they've been more susceptible to play up and down to their competition yes. to come out juiced for UCLA to come out juiced for Kentucky yeah, and then let a Cal State Fullerton Mm -hmm. hang around who's a really good team but not to the level of UCLA let an Illinois Chicago again no disrespect is not a good team hang hang around and and so again it's grading on a curve They, they haven't done that all year long but it feels like this team's been slightly more susceptible to that than the yeah. couple years past yeah no I totally agree with that and like you said we saw it with UIC we and then they come up against Kentucky and I'm like where was this last game and why is it like this so I know those are things that coach Gasso has instilled in them like we're not coming out just because of the name on their jersey like we've got to be great at all times so uh mentally that's exhausting because you know, as a team, you all want to come out. You want Jordy to be throwing lights out like she just did last night. You want Alex Rocco to be on their A game. Um, but it's tough to be on your A game 24-7 with this many games on your schedule in the last two weeks. Yeah. So, I mean, she knows what she's doing. Um, they're going to come out. They're going to face Weber State. Hopefully, we bring they bring that energy early in the game and, and continuously. Uh, Northwestern's going to be a tough matchup. Michelle Gascoigne is over there. She's their pitching coach. Yeah. She's an OU alum. She knows what she's doing. She's got her pitchers. I know she's going to mix in some off speeds. And That's national championship <laughs> clincher, Michelle Gascoigne. Yes, the Michelle the Gascoigne. Clincher, the clincher. Uh, so I know she's going to mix up some speeds, and I know she's studied this offense, so... That's going to be a challenge for them. Should uh, be a ton of fun. The crowd, I think, will help with yeah. bringing that energy. Obviously, this this is the tournament last year or the weekend last year where this will always stick with me. And I don't mean this as a slight to anyone, but Oklahoma played Iowa. Oklahoma thrashed Iowa. Mm-hmm. And you, I never know when. So in those scenarios, we do get both coaches in postgame. That's not super standard usually. You go to, like last night, if we wanted to talk to Florida State, you, you would have gone to Florida State's clubhouse, yeah. go, go to Oklahoma's clubhouse. You don't usually get them both brought in unless it's postseason. And, and I just remember Iowa's coach coming in, and I never know how coaches are going to react when they've just gotten drummed the way. And like, because <laughs> Patty Gasso is, is putting in her, her backups essentially, and they mm-hmm. come in and hit home runs. So it's almost yeah. on one hand, the I tried to call off the dogs, but. We're full of dogs. But the, <laughs> that, but also anyone that's pinch hitting, like they're trying to fight for starting spots and yeah. things like that. And I just, this stuck with me that the Iowa coach was all smiles and she talked about talking with Patty Gasso after the game and she thanked Patty Gasso because her Iowa team was never going to get to play in front of nearly 5,000 fans. Yeah. And because Oklahoma was hosting the Hall of Fame Classic, her team got that experience and she was just grateful even yeah. in a drubbing. And and I think it's moments like that that make me stop and go, I cover Oklahoma. I see this week in, week out. I don't think much of it. Mm-hmm. That is not the case for every other program that comes in. And so I think that uh, I know the ticket sales have been very good all weekend for the Hall of Fame Classic. Oh, yeah. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see what that energy looks like. And then last little bit before we get out of here, we're up against it. We're going to run long again. Sorry, Randy. Um, <laughs> an update. Talked to Patty Gasso on Monday night after the South Dakota State game. Grace Lyons was in the dugout. That was the first time it sounded like she'd been back with the team on a game day. Patty Gasso was really happy about that. Her leadership just coming back into the dugout. She Mm -hmm. said you could feel that was different. Tuesday, ahead of the Florida State game, Grace Lyons was in the infield going through warm-ups. That was the first time I had seen her. I was not at the stadium in time to see warm-ups on Monday, so I don't know if if that was standard there. But Grace Lyons did go through warm-ups last night. Didn't play, obviously. Patty Gasso said that she's close and that... If everything keeps tracking the way it's been going, she expects Grace Lyons to play in some capacity uh, this weekend. So I don't know whether that's 
a pinch hit at bat, something like that. Yeah. But it looks like Grace Lyons may be in line to return to the lineup, which is great news because Oklahoma's gone on this run playing Jerry Jennings out of position, and Quincy Lulio has done a phenomenal job at second yeah, base. Yeah, I was just going to say, I, I mean, we'd love seeing Grace Lyons at shortstop. She's a stud. Nothing gets by her, but Quincy has been very impressive, and Tiara Jennings just throwing that shortstop hat on like, yeah, I, I got it. <laughs> no problem there. They've been fun to watch. I'm I'm really impressed with Quincy. So it's I, It's I'm been a ton to- of fun, and not just Quincy, but Avery Hodge has gotten to get in yeah. and play some infield. It's been really fun to see that, especially because, like, Lost in the shuffle of last night's spectacle, mm-hmm. you had Quincy Lilio and Jocelyn Erickson. That was the right side of the infield. That's two yeah. very young players as you're starting to get to see the turnover of the next generation of Sooners that are going to step in after you know this class graduates. Yep. Yeah, no, I think for Jocelyn Erickson, Quincy Lilio, so, so much talent was... Is, is brought into the lineup, but but I'm excited to see them as leaders in the next couple of years because they they're getting these opportunities and um, you know when you get those opportunities you got to step up and Coach Gasso allows them to do that so um, I'm ready to see Grace back whenever she's good and ready I think you know her senior year we want to see her battle it out shortstop and make all these grand plays but um, very impressed with the freshman yeah it should be a ton of fun a ton of fun for sure. Uh, pre-game for Oklahoma and Weber State will start at 3.45. You can listen to that one on 1560, the Franchise 2. Uh, just download the Franchise app, too. That, that's an easy way to do that. They'll play Northwestern at 6.30. That Northwestern game on Friday night will air on both 107.7, the Franchise, right here, as well as 1560, the Franchise 2. And then throughout the weekend, um, Weaver State and Auburn, both those games will air on the franchise too on Saturday as we will air OU Women's Basketball here on the 7th on the franchise. And you'll circle back in the Sunday game against Auburn. We'll air right here on the franchise. Chris Plank will do an amazing job with that as always. I'm just happy he lets me sit next to him and bother him during <laughs> games. But Destiny, we are out of time. The hour flies by way too fast as always here on the road. So to fast. So fast. But thanks for having me. Love being here. Appreciate you guys. Absolutely. Go get your OKC Spark season tickets. That bad boy is open. I'll be retweeting that. It's just at underscore Ryan Chapman. What's the what's the Twitter handle of the Spark officially? OK Spark. OK Spark. So at OK Spark, head over there. The link is there. Get them while they're there. We will have season tickets available and April 3rd singles single game tickets will be on there sale. Go. There yep. you go. That's all the info for that. Is that you won't have to wait too long. Women's College World Series ends. Flip the calendar. It's spark time here in Oklahoma.